What's up, my fellow lionesses and lions? Welcome to the Project Lioness podcast. We are here to disrupt the mainstream narrative when it comes to health, holism, and human consciousness. We are here to share bold truths about health and life from a female perspective. This episode is brought to you by our team, Inspire Co., where we stand for your health being inspired by choice rather than being inhibited by chance. Thank you for being here and joining in on these raw, real, and powerful conversations. We hope our show brings you inspiration and empowerment to overcome challenges, reclaim your life, and ultimately pursue your mission with power, purpose, and play. Now, let's get into the episode. All right, y'all. Hello, hello. Welcome back. This is Dr. Mel. Dr. Aaron. And this is Project Linus Podcast, and we are in part two of our birth, death, and rebirth podcast. This is the one where we get to go meta, too. We get to go (laughs) meta. So if you haven't listened to part one, listen to part one. Dr. Aaron and I broke down the physical birthing process Mm -hmm. in our country, typical interventions, and then alternate strategies that can really help empower you in that process and support little babies and get curious around your own birth process. In this one, we can't talk about birth if we don't talk about death. (laughs) (laughs) And death is a natural and normal part of life. And I have been really looking at death very differently for some reason, it's just been so much more on my radar in the last year. Okay. Like very curious about death and realizing like I, maybe this is my third life crisis. I don't know, but like, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Our physical body is going to transition. Our, I believe that there's a soul and we have an infinite eternal consciousness. Um, I'm not religious and more spiritual, but eventually like our bodies are going to transition and that's a natural part. And I think a lot of it for me is coming up because I'm seeing things with my grandparents and just reflecting on death a lot. Um, so we're going to talk about the death process and then get into some more meta concepts of birth and death and the rebirth cycle of life and talk about how you can consciously choose to engage with birth and engage with death mm-hmm. in a very different way so that you don't have to fear death where you lose out on living. Because I don't know about you, but that's what I see. People fear death so much that they don't choose to live all out. Yeah. Would you say that's where you were before compared to like this last year and revisiting how you view death? I don't think I ever uh, like feared living all out in my life, but I guess I'm just like really conscious of, of death more. Okay. And I don't know if it's because I've chosen to do different spiritual journeys that really illuminate the death process from a more metaphysical perspective or if it's just because I'm getting into more like spiritual yoga but I I just never have thought about it as much as I have and I think a lot of it is seeing like my grandparents kind of deal with some stuff right now I'm like oh shit like yeah people are you know on a transition process and how can we like live all out in life. I think too, Ben and I have really, Ben and I, my husband have really been reflecting on like how we're choosing to live our life and really like going for what we want and not waiting for it because we've seen maybe 
I don't want to say our parents necessarily, but just people older than us, like choose a job, stay with it, even though they fucking hate it Mm -hmm. and then retire, but not have their health and their life to actually enjoy life. Right. Or like even have an identity outside of their work. Oh my gosh. We see people retire and they're like, uh, now what? I mean, my mom's, I know my mom Mm -hmm. listens to this. She's going through that right now where she's been a teacher for 30 plus years and she's going to retire this year. And it's like, who the fuck am I? Mm -hmm. Like, I actually have to be with that. And, you know, we'll talk about the physical death process. Um, but then also a lot of these meta concepts, but yeah, there's such an identity in like the roles that we play, but that's not actually who you are. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. And death is like, an inevitable sort of process. I'm more on like the spiritual side too, where I come with the perspective that energy is neither created nor destroyed, right? Like that is conservation of energy, the scientific fact. So, I mean, if you're experiencing life right now, that's a certain energetic state and then you pass away and that energy has to go somewhere else, Mm -hmm. whether it be another life, what have you, another form to the cash, what have (laughs) you. But like I, what the fuck is the Akash? I'm sure (laughs) listeners know what the Akash is. The Akash is basically like where all the souls hang out and party all the time, and there's no time. (laughs) Did you grow up with death at all, or is like with your grandparents going through state that you're going through, like your first exposure? I mean, I actually experienced a significant amount of death at an early age. Like we had friends die in high school. Like I had a, you know, we dated. It's like that high school dating where you're like, I'm dating you, but I'm not really dating you. Like we kind of just like make out and whatever. Um, he was a friend and he, he died. He passed away in a car accident, had another friend get killed in a car accident, had another friend commit suicide. Like in high school, I dealt with a lot of death and I guess I've never really reflected on that, but I do feel like that's made a huge impact. I had another ex-boyfriend die in, in college. We were really good friends in high school, but he died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. It's like all these really young deaths happened and that's its own version of trauma. Yeah. But you know, I, I went to my great grandma's funeral. I went to my great grandpa's funeral. So that alone, those experiences were like, they felt really weird. You know, something always felt off and disconnected. And honestly, going to any funerals to me, it's just, it's such a weird experience in America where people are wearing all black. There's maybe crying, but it's not like this like wailing, like grieving. Like the grief is almost, it, the grief is like there, but it's almost like behind the surface. Like I need to be strong mm-hmm. and like put on a front. It's like, bro, you probably need to fucking break down and cry. Absolutely. Right? And like I'm, I'm more to the side of let's like have a celebration of life where maybe there's, there's crying, but there's also celebration of the person versus like wearing black and just being like very stoic. I don't know. It's really fucking weird. And this is my opinion. Like Ben and I talk about this too. You drive past your graveyard. I'm like, there are tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars in these graveyards Mm -hmm. where these caskets are like mahogany wood and like the headstone is thousands of dollars. And I'm like, okay, what, this is its own business. I get it. But like, what if we could use that money differently? And also what is that doing to the land? Right. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox and throw that question back at but, you. But I mean, it's a really, oh, actually, I just saw that you can get caskets on Amazon. <laughs> what? Just add that? Yeah, you can buy a casket. How much is it? I don't, I don't know. I didn't look you at it. look it up. I saw it as like an Instagram reel or something and the reviews were hilarious. So. Oh my God. 
if you need a good laugh, I guess look at caskets on Amazon. Well, and a, a headstone, a headstone can be what anywhere from a thousand to five thousand dollars, or even Easily. if you get a tomb, mm-hmm. like the people, the families who get the tombs. I'm mm-hmm. like, shit, man. Well, what if you gave that money to your family? Right. <laughs> Again, this is I'm speaking within within my values of what I would do with money. I always tell Ben, I'm like, if I die, bring my body to the jungle and give me to a jaguar. Like, I would love to be alchemized into like a jaguar body i think that'd be fucking dope but see i just want to be cremated and like spread all over the place just pixie dust of dr aaron pixie dust me all over the world please (laughs) (laughs) toss me off a cliff (laughs) and amazon caskets fuck jeff bezos really he really is capitalizing the entire world yeah that's wild but i mean one of the bigger stressors too when it comes to death is the family isn't necessarily ready for it because there is no planning because we yeah. avoid talking and planning for death because mm-hmm. we just want to pretend like it will never happen, which let's be real. I don't know anyone who's never died or like who won't die. Let me say. So, I mean, it's, yeah, whose it's, physical body hasn't transitioned. Yeah. Hasn't trans- it's it's going to happen. Um, so the best thing that you can do is to have a plan for your death. And if you want to have that beautiful casket, then figure that out yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that like with ease, <laughs> figure, it out. <laughs> figure it out. But like truly those are some of the bigger stressors when a family has to yeah. mourn the death and passing of a person. Like that's the last thing that they want to worry about is like, well, also planning, mm-hmm, yeah. planning the funeral, telling the whole family, telling friends, yeah. getting it out there, getting the flower arrangements, picking out a casket. It's like your like, wedding day. Like you're disassociated from the ability to actually like grieve, grieve, which is the most important thing. So that's yeah. why like you probably see at the funeral, people still are in such a sympathetic stress state mm-hmm. that they don't even have the capacity to grieve yet. That's a good point. Yeah. Because they're stressed about all the details of planning this funeral. Yeah. How does it, how does the setup look? Like how do mm-hmm. the flowers look? And again, mm-hmm. the, the funeral business is a huge business, mm-hmm. right? And this is nothing against them. And we're also not like estate planners. If you want estate and will planners and lawyers we know know a really great lawyer who can help you with that um i'm actually speaking at it's rachel shroman shout out rachel i know you listen to this but i'm actually speaking at her uh death cafe series Mm -hmm. in august august 3rd i'll drop the the link in here but i love what she's doing as far as bringing talking about death to the surface Mm -hmm. because i'm sure she sees that all the time where like there's unexpected deaths in the family and all of a sudden you know, will hasn't been figured out. Yep. We don't even know how this person wants to be honored in their yep. transition. Um, and, so you're absolutely right. And like the finances and accessing like accounts and all sorts of things. Like who gets the beca- money? Who gets the money? <laughs> Where did the assets go? Or I don't know all the things that go into estate planning, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. It's like a there's, there's a lot that um, go into being a human, especially in American society. And when you pass, then someone else has to become responsible for that. So it's being mindful. (laughs) Back in the day, it was like, well, you're just going to go into the earth and we're going to have like a ceremony and honor you and your body's going to decay and your cells are going to like give back to the earth. And, you know, the earth will like grow its new harvest from your energy. I mean, I think about like a body in a casket. And like, there's, there's so much embalming that happens Mm -hmm. and like chemicals 
And I just, I think about that again. I've been in, I've been really embracing like my dark thoughts more and not denying them. And I'm like, what, what is like happening? You know, like we have to put makeup on the body. I, so I, I think the reason I could talk about this is because I worked at a nursing home Mm. for three years before I went to chiropractic school and I worked on the dementia floor and there were moments where a person would actually pass away Mm -hmm. on our shift and we had to prepare the body for the family to come. And, you know, this could be a little grotesque for some of you, but when you're in the health field, you just deal with it. Cause when the body dies, um, fluids are released and, and we had to like, you know, honor her. It was a very honoring process, right. Um, to prepare for them to come meet her before she went to wherever she needed to go. Um, whatever her choice was in that transition. But yeah, I think you're bringing up such a good point where there can be so much stress in just the planning of like the thing and not actually like celebrating what truly needs to be celebrated. And the same thing goes with like weddings too. Like people just get so fucking stressed out and it's like, yo, like you're totally oblivious to like the the beauty of this day because so much energy and time and money goes into like, creating this thing for what reason you know so like I'm just gonna say it when I die whenever that is like please take my assets and y'all do something fucking great I do not want a headstone (laughs) I do not want a casket I would prefer a green burial even though that's been capitalized because I think a green burial is like ten thousand dollars wow yeah if you look up and they do like mushroom burials now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Or you can be buried with mushrooms and the yeah. mushrooms will decompose you. Also, I think that's super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I need to ask Rachel like, hey, what are my what are my options here? Like super low cost. Well, Colorado has those compost. Yeah, just things. Like, yeah. I know that. Turn me to compost. Yeah. And <laughs> I think a lot of this comes back to when you are fully living your life and you're in alignment with your values and your purpose when you die is when you die. And I have also done the demartini process on myself, which this is crazy, but this is where I'm at in my life. I'm like, what's the benefit of me dying? Um, like anytime I have a fear around death, like, mm-hmm. oh, the plane has turbulence, it's going down, I might die. I will literally ask myself, what's the benefit of me dying right now? And I'm like, well, my vision and mission would go on without me. Mm-hmm. And it's less stress on me. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm dead. Right. Anyway, this is. Like, and then what's like the next cool adventure that you're supposed to on. go through? Probably get reincarnated <laughs> into like a fucking lioness, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Sorry, but, we're all over the place with this one a little bit. But, but truly to like lean into your life purpose and yeah. lead with that can give ease for what you're doing in everyday life and what's to come, including death. Why do you think people fear death in our world so much? I think a lot of it's like the unknown and did I live my life to the fullest? Yeah. Like the whole idea of a bucket list. I was telling my mom that like I have these certain things on my bucket list and she's like, isn't that for people who are about to die? <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess maybe that's probably why any point. Exactly. So I'm like, why wait until I've been given a prognosis and I'm going to be given six months to live mm-hmm. and now I have to do all the things that I didn't do in my life. That I kept saying, I'll wait until later. Yeah. I'll wait until I'm, I don't know, I have more time or availability. No, just do it now because you really don't know what your life is going to turn out to be. You don't. I mean, and you have to look at, if you look at 
time not being real. We think it is, right? Oh, save until retirement, right? Like get a good job, make a lot of money. Who cares if you're miserable, but you can do that when you retire. And it's like, you could literally get taken out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You could literally get taken out. The male guy is going to come here and try to get into the office. And the we're just going to pretend like we're not here. Oh, do you want to go grab it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the male guy. Whoa, wait, give me that. Give me that. <laughs> Shut up. This is how the universe works. Y'all, Rachel, I know you listen to this podcast. So, we're talking about Rachel Sherman because she is an estate planner. She helps you creating a will. She's a lawyer and she works with um, elder law. It says estate planning and elder law. That's so funny. And we've been talking about her. because She's amazing. And she's putting on this death cafe and the male guy comes and literally we have an invitation to her grand opening, which we are going to. And like, of course that this is happening right now. <laughs> of course this is happening. Um, what was I talking about? Just, oh, the death process and living and yes. you could literally get taken out at any moment. And yes. I I don't say that to be like doom and gloom, but like use it as an invitation to fucking live your life. Yeah. Have fun. Like take that trip. Yes. Spend that money. Take that trip. Spend the money. I mean, I'm going to well, actually, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually going to be doing a money, wealth and nervous system class, mm-hmm. which I'll put in the, the show notes here about, um, you know, money, wealth, and maybe we'll include death, right? Because I think some people, there's like two ends of the spectrum, right? Where over here, you're so fearful of living life. Mm -hmm. And like, I was actually just talking to my dad about this, about his dad, my grandpa who came from Germany. And my grandpa Al is a millionaire with his assets. Mm -hmm. When If you meet him, you would be like, what? He has all these assets and he hasn't used them. And he's in his mid eighties and his body is, you know, changing and he just budgets so much still, even though he doesn't really have to. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, my dad actually got emotional and he's like, I just, that makes me so sad. And part of me gets really angry. And I'm like, bro, buy the steak. Like you're 85. You have literally just kissed the microphone. (laughs) Um, It wouldn't be an episode if we didn't kiss the microphone, but Like you literally changed your entire life to come over here at age 18 and start a new life in World War II Mm -hmm. in Nazi Germany because you didn't agree with what was going on and like what he did and the sacrifices he made and worked so fucking hard. He got into the stock market at like a really good time and it's really paid off for him. And yet at the same time, I don't know how much it's paid off because there's still so much of that fear of like, what if, what if, what if? And I'm like, bro, like you deserve so much, like you've worked so hard. So there's that side. There's so much fear and like hoarding of like, what if? And then there's the complete opposite side where it's like, I literally spent every dollar I have and now I can't because I was like, fuck it, live life. But then you don't have, you know, stuff for the next day. So Mm -hmm. it's this balance of being, having stability as well as living into a little bit of that instability and balancing all parts of the brain where our brainstem really wants safety and stability. Mm -hmm. And majority of the wiring in your brain is survival, Mm -hmm. right? Life, like I need to survive life. 
And then there's more, the, there's some of the brain that is like creation and wonder and future planning and executive planning, um, which is unique to humans. So you have to be able to navigate and balance those two. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I'm off on a tangent, but. But I mean, that goes back to like the neuroplasticity that we talked about last episode too. Mm-hmm. When you're so used to doing a certain thing, it's all those neural connections that you've mm-hmm. built and the brain can change as well. So, I mean, developing different habits and different conversations, different thoughts that, okay, it is okay if I were to splurge a little bit because I, I've earned it mm-hmm. and I don't have to wait until a certain period to do so. Yep. That's going to be a neuroplastic sort of process where you're having to build new neural connections within your brain to make that feel like a safe an okay thing to do. Especially if it's been passed down in mm-hmm. your family around exactly. fear of really anything. And we don't just mean fear of like your physical body dying, but like fear of the death of identities or fearing the death of like the way things used to be, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, we've done it this way. So why not just keep doing it? Mm-hmm. But if that's, if you're lacking abundance and vitality, then does it really make sense for you to have a, like a bunch of assets, but not do anything with it? Well, right. then what do we see happen when people do hold on to all these assets and they get to elderlyhood and their health is at stake? Yeah. What happens to their assets then? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm seeing, and I'm going to talk about this in the free training that I'm doing, Money, Wealth, and the Nervous System. So check the show notes for that. Um, but I'm seeing this with some of my family members where their health isn't at a hundred percent and the assets that they have worked so hard to build are starting to be drained into American systems. Mm -hmm. So we're really inviting you. Like when we say live all out, you know, take care of yourself too, Mm -hmm. right? Invest your health is the greatest asset, Mm -hmm. right? So that you can enjoy that vitality and have a longer health span, not just your lifespan, but a longer health span. Mm -hmm. Cause we're seeing a lot of people. I mean, the average, age, you know, back in early 1900s was what, like 50, 60 years old. And now Mm -hmm. it's closer to like 70, 80 years old. Mm -hmm. But just because people are living longer does not mean that their vitality is Mm -hmm. the same match for that. So that's where people talk. There's a book called Lifespan and it talks about your lifespan versus your health span. And between your health span and your lifespan, they're calling it like the dis-ease span Mm -hmm. where let's say from age 70 to 90, like you can't do anything in life. I don't know. Ben and I joke, we're like, just fucking take me out. I mean, that sounds bad. Like I worked in a nursing home and I saw this. I saw this straight up Mm -hmm. of people not living, but just being given pills to just extend whatever. And literally to, to be at a nursing home, it's fucking expensive. It's very expensive. And it's like, who's paying for that? Maybe their social security, but when we get older, Mm -hmm. who knows where social security is going to be at? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, bro, if I'm fucking just like a vegetable, I, I don't know. Like you would maybe selfishly want me to stay, but I don't know if I want to. Mm-hmm. Well, and it sucks because like my grandmother, she's in a nursing home right now. And mm-hmm. it's like all the assets, all the wealth, um, social security and all that from like her and my grandfather working like throughout their lives is just being drained into the nursing yeah. home just to keep her alive and keep her supported. And were they born after the Great Depression probably? During, yeah. Yeah, during. she's, yeah, yeah. Because what, 20s, late 20s? 20s yeah. yeah, I think born in the 20s. Yeah. How old is she? 90. Oh, yeah. 
So last night, 92? Yeah, it's just being drained. Absolutely drained. And Which, like, go ahead. I was going to say, like, nursing homes weren't supposed to be a long-term living situation. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? No, <laughs> so, I didn't. Enlighten me, Dr. Yeah. Aaron. So there's a book, which is really great. I don't think I've actually finished it yet. I got more than halfway through, though. But it's called Being Mortal um, by Atul Gawande. And he sheds a lot of light on the fact that nursing homes in the 1950s, I want to say it was like 1954 or something, um, lawmakers passed a bill to open up nursing homes only so they could make more availability within the hospital beds. Fast. Oh, yes. So yes, it was, so yes, yes, yes. It like was transitional be, care units. Mm-hmm, it was yep. supposed to just be a short-term sort of like solution because that was wartime, right? Because you're being nursed. Because you're being nursed. It wasn't supposed to be a long-term assisted living facility yep. by any means. So I actually... She's got some stats. I have some stats. She she did her homework. So I <laughs> I found in 1950 there were fewer than 9,000 nursing homes with with approximately 250,000 beds. So 1950, that's about the number. The total spending so 70 years ago. 70 years ago, the total spending was just about 187 million dollars or 1.5% of national health expenditures, and the government had only paid for 10% of that. Hmm, Okay. So that's pre this whole 1954 sort of boom. So by 1960, there was a 181% increase. Holy shit. In total national spending in nursing home care. 181%. Being mortal. mortal, He talks about that. Wow. Um, so the government was then spending about 22% of, you know, the national average. <sighs> Isn't that intense? And we're just seeing a growth over time. Well, there's more and more. Um, I see more and more of those facilities popping mm-hmm. up. Absolutely. Because we've created that to be the go-to because we don't have enough space within like our own lives to actually dedicate to taking care of our elderly parents. Yep. And we don't often in this culture we don't respect elders Mm -mm. um and in other cultures elders are like the wise sage Mm -hmm. people where they have the wisdom of generations they have the wisdom Mm -hmm. of the culture and this is something that's thank you for sharing those stats i'm like shocked but it it makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. um the nursing home i used to work at it was a nursing home with a dementia unit on the fourth floor a transitional care unit which oftentimes those people would come into the nursing home and it wasn't designed for that. And then there's an assisted living. So it's like this whole complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like I forgot what I was saying before, but <laughs> <laughs> my brain is in luteal phase. They're supposed to be the wise ones. Oh, the wise but, ones. But their health is deteriorating so much that they don't have much to contribute. They don't have the energy Mm-mm. and they don't have the vitality that is, is possible. Like mm-hmm. you you can age with grace and vitality. And we have clients here who, you know, they're in their 70s and 80s and they are vital human beings, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're taking care of themselves. And I think, unfortunately, we just have this assumption of like, oh, I'm getting old. Like I see things on TikTok. It's like, oh, I hit 30 and my knees hurt. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like you're in your prime, baby. (laughs) Hot girl has stomach issues. Well, that's not good. (laughs) I actually, yeah, I have that. I'm like, would I, would I prefer to be like really skinny and have shitty bowel movements or maybe a little curvier and like fucking rock bowel movements? Right. <laughs> anyway, tangent, but 
to come back to our point we're making is you can choose your health no matter what age you are. I mean, one of my oldest clients is 95 Mm -hmm. and he has one lung and his body gets better with care, you know? And it's, your body is going to change. Yes. Um, I think we talked about this and we have talked about it in other episodes, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways that the culture is trying to create anti-aging and like no wrinkles and no fat and like no gray hair. And, you know, that's part of being in a human body that other cultures, again, really, really respect. Like the more wrinkles you have, the more wisdom you have, the more silver or white hair you have, you're a fucking like goddess of Mm -hmm. wisdom. And our American culture has created the opposite where, oh, if you have any gray or if you have any wrinkles or you have maybe some more edges to you or curves to you, then for some reason, like you're less wise or like you're less respected. And I'm like, I would, I'm, I'm in a phase of my life where I'm seeking elderhood from 40, 50, 60. I mean, I, I did Jeff Spencer's mastermind. He's 71 and he could kick our fucking ass. Even, um, Dr. John Demartini. He's he's, he's almost 70. Yeah. I think he's 67. And he has so much energy. Yeah. Because he's living with purpose. Yes. He's living in line with his purpose. And sure, he has a little bit of gray hair, but what we're, what I'm speaking to is like, your physical body is going to change and your cells are constantly rebirthing themselves every single day. Every seven years, you have an entirely new body. And when I tell my clients this, they're like, wait, what? So cool. Yes. The skin, your eyes, your hair, your gut, your heart, your lungs, your liver, even your nervous system, Mm -hmm. your cells are literally dying every single day. And so you have to ask yourself, who are you really? If you're a brand new body, after seven years, then your vitality goes beyond just your physical matter, but the energy and the mental, emotional energetics that you bring into who it is you really are. You're just like a meat suit, but you also have like a consciousness and an innate intelligence permeating through those cells that adds to the matter and the vitality. And that's what we want to get across is like, you can age differently than what the culture says mm-hmm. or the culture portrays aging really is. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, I like that. Mic drop. <laughs> In chiropractic school, we used to say adapt or die. <laughs> we used to say that too. When <laughs> shit would go down, we're like adapt or die. Because you're either, your body's going to adapt. And I mean, it's kind of funny because I guess you are dying consistently. Your you're cells dying are dying. Day. But is your body actually adapting to that death or is right. it degrading right. with that death? Yep. Is it getting lesser or is it becoming more vital? Yeah. Are the new cells through the process of, you know, whatever it is, phagocytosis, apoptosis, right? Your cells regenerate all the time until they don't. (laughs) But how are the new cells Mm -hmm. coming into this life? Mm -hmm. And we have to ask whether it's your skin or your, like your stomach lining, I think switches over every four weeks. Yeah, It's it's very very quick. It's very quick. And so if people, and when people talk about, oh, I've had this shoulder pain for 10 years, I've had these gut issues for 20 years. And I'm like, okay, but your gut has changed over 10 times by now. We have to look at what's controlling the cellular programming. What's the underlying cause to that? Which is your neurological wiring. Mm -hmm. And 
another death process too that we have to look at is like the menstrual process. Mm -hmm. Like you're the egg that is being released from your body has coding in it from your grandmother. Mm -hmm. And that has to die in order for you to experience a new level of self-awareness. And if we don't allow that to shed and die, it creates stagnation and you're holding on to literally generational trauma. Mm -hmm. mm. Every time my leftover releases an egg, there's some sort of <laughs> generational trauma that we're working Which through. Which are you on this month? Oh, left. You know? You're thinking on the left? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I feel it. It's like a deeply rooted thing that I don't have like conscious control over, but my body expresses it mm -hmm. 100%. It's a and, dying process. And you know what I do? I just give space. What I now do is to give space for that death. Yeah. And I'm actually like, I don't even care if you guys get grossed out by this. Like I'm releasing a lot more like clots and everything mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. more tissue is coming out which i'm gonna say is a good thing because yeah. i would rather it come out than stay in absolutely yeah yep <laughs> better out than in <laughs> for menstrual flow you want it mm -hmm. to be a flow mm -hmm. so for those of you who have a menstrual cycle if your blood is more brown or black that means you have some stagnation mm -hmm. to work through yep. and what dr aaron is talking about is not only like physically doing things to help your flow, like giving it space and whether it's chiropractic, breath work, food, but also mentally, emotionally. Yeah. And I, I do the same thing as you where I used to avoid that. I mean, as a woman, it's so fucking cool. Like we literally have a, a birth and rebirth and death cycle every 28 to 35 days. Mm -hmm. And we get to experience this death process with when you lean into it, it's so powerful when you can lean into any sort of death process and we're going to get going to get into more meta now we talked about physical death process of like menstrual cycles in your cell and even an immune response is a form of a death process mm -hmm. right like fevers and runny noses and like coughing that's your body expelling dead tissue that needs to move through your body pooping yep that's like the best way to fucking <laughs> Start your day, your new day with the death process is like shitting. It's so fucking great. Get it out. <laughs> get it out. Get out the dead tissue. Get out yes. the toxins. But anyway, back to, you know, menstrual cycles. I have really learned to honor that as well. Is like, mm -hmm. I'm going to allow this death process. And like, if I need to cry, if I need to make sound, if I need to, you know, journal mm -hmm. to really grieve the death of whatever this cell energetically has within it, which mm -hmm. oftentimes when you start to really tap into this, you're clearing your mom's shit. You're clearing your grandma's shit. Mm -hmm. Like, generational clearing which is so powerful and like that's a scientific sort of thing too yes. where when your grandmother is pregnant with your mom like us women were born with all of our eggs and our ovaries mm -hmm. so when your mom is in your grandmother's belly she has your egg in her yep. so that's why like we're talking about generational like you are 100 impacted by the thoughts traumas and toxins that your grandma yep grandmother went through in your cells in your cells and we're kind of getting into like ways that dr aaron and i really honor the birth and death and really it's just a process of rebirthing um because nothing ever really dies it just changes form mm -hmm. and we're getting into more of the meta as well as things that we do that can help us support leaning into the death process in subtle ways every day so that we can fully live and it's important to know that there's ways of birthing things or 
killing things or consciously <laughs> dying that go beyond just the physical, but the birth of a project, yeah. the birth of a business, the birth of a relationship, the birth of an entity or whatever it is you're creating in that creation of something, there are also parts of you, identities, ways of being, ways of perceiving yourself that also need to die and need a proper grieving process. Um, I think about, you know, I, I like to think about the rebirth process is a healthy completion. Like death can be welcomed as a healthy completion of something to then create that space for something to be reborn into. And you can see this in nature too, right? Like, especially in Minnesota, we get all beautiful four seasons and we see things come to life and then we see it die. And we know and trust that like nature, the buds will come back again. Mm -hmm. And we can really honor like the death and the, the winter of life, mm -hmm. you know? So how was like the birth process for you with either creating Inspire Life or even Project Gosh. Linus? Do you want to speak on that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like in order for me to birth uh, many of the project and entities I brought into the world, there was a lot of space, as you said earlier, that was mm -hmm. needed to be created and not just doing all the time, but literally planning spaciousness to go out in nature and just whatever downloaded in the moment was you know, it's like a, it's like this above down thing that happens for me where it's just like, boom, there it is. And I call it into my being. And then as I feel the impulse, I guess like the contraction, um, that's when I would maybe get to work when it comes to like planning the systems and procedures. But mm -hmm. old Mel would just kind of be contracting and in labor all the time. Mm -hmm. Where as I've looked at the birth process more metaphorically, I realized like there's got to be space between the contractions in order to allow this birth process to be whole. Mm -hmm. And that spaciousness also allows for the death of things, whether it's me laying on the ground crying or journaling or just telling someone or something like this is complete now, you know, mm -hmm. sending an email. I did that the other week with a group of people, I was like, I'm complete with this, you know, and I, I've had my own emotions around it. Um, but I feel like with, with the rebirth experience and birthing these things in the, in the world, a lot of it was actually honoring and shedding the things that were almost barriers and limitations to it coming through. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like all the things that no longer served you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And through that shedding of the layers which I guess is like menstruation or actual birth through like the shedding of the layers, these things have been able to take on their own life cycle, which, you know, they're going to have their own life cycle. Mm -hmm. It could be five years. It could be 20 years. Mm -hmm. I don't really know. The universe knows. <laughs> um, but I'll throw that question back at you, like yeah. birthing yourself. What has allowed you to step into that more when it comes to honoring like the rebirth cycle? I think just one trusting my intuition too within like the process of it. Like I'm sure you guys have kind of heard in previous episodes. I just graduated chiropractic school, so I mean that was like a student death. Itself. Yeah, and I just went back to South Carolina to get all of my belongings out of storage, and so I was kind of talking about at least with Mel, I don't think I've talked about it on like the podcast, how like it felt like a looming death that I was just mm -hmm. like needing to mourn at some point. 
and not that it was a bad thing. It was just like a beautiful close to a chapter yep. of my life and stepping into a new rebirth of who I am now mm. in this new life in Minnesota and working with Inspire Life and Dr. Mel and the rest of the team. And it's beautiful, but be able to give space and kind of close off the things that was energetically, I think, inhibiting me to actually move forward. Yeah. So that was like having conversations with people like, hey, my plans actually changed. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something different than what I told you guys before. Um, and I guess that was also a death in its own mini sort yeah. of way. Relationships. Of like, yeah, relationships, but also, and not that like I ended relationships by any means, but. Um, well, they had, they had like a perception of like who yes. you were going to be or what mm-hmm. was going to happen. And you came in and you kind of, consciously chose like the death of that uh that perception yeah absolutely because yeah. like my original plan was to go and open up in knoxville tennessee so yep. that was a really fun conversation <laughs> when people were like what happened in Wait, knoxville why are you in minnesota yeah and then it was like this explanation <laughs> that i felt like i needed to have and then i took a step back and i was like well i don't actually have to explain anything yeah. it was just this like perception that i even held mm. So, I mean, that was probably like a people pleasing sort of response. So it's shedding that identity and like that layer of who I used to be and stepping into this is what I'm doing and I'm so excited for it. And people are like, awesome. And there's no other conversation. So allowing the death of that and just giving space and time for the rebirth of what this new chapter is. And now I have like my own home up here and it's so beautiful and everything feels so much more congruent Mm. instead of like holding on to the old stagnant energy of what was lingering. When you even consciously, like you got rid of stuff, right? Like you you physically, (laughs) yeah. And like, I think this is really important to speak to what Dr. Erin is speaking to is when you can consciously go into what could be a contraction or a death process, whether it's getting rid of physical stuff, choosing to have the hard Mm -hmm. conversations um, without explanation, Mm -hmm. like just owning it. Mm -hmm. The way I think about it is like in nature, like trees don't resist the falling of the leaves because they know the falling of the leaves will, that matter will change and support the growth of the next season. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes there can be so much resistance to the death process because we think in that moment, like this is forever, right? Like this, in this sensation is forever mm -hmm. when you can actually like not resist the resistance, but get curious about it. It often like alchemizes in that moment, Mm -hmm. you know? And like you said, it's going to take a different form. And what does that form actually look like? Exactly. And like knowing it's not forever. It's just going to be something different. Yep. Love. If you haven't studied the universe laws like I have, <laughs> um, what we're talking about is the law of conservation of energy where nothing is created or destroyed. It just changes form. Mm-hmm. And that goes from a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual perspective um, because it's a law of the universe. And so everything in that umbrella operates under that principle. And this is one thing that I teach a lot of my coaching clients is if they're experiencing a grief process and they're really attached to like the way they thought it was supposed to be or its original form, it's because they haven't seen where that characteristic has actually emerged in a new form. So I was thinking about when you were talking about like the death of being a student, 
But in reality, you're always going to be a student always. and you're always going to be mm-hmm. a teacher. It's just your student energy has changed form. Mm-hmm. And we could take this into the concept of relationships, whether someone has actually physically passed mm-hmm. or you had an attachment maybe with a friend mm-hmm. and parts of you like miss them and their energy and characteristics. This would be an exercise for you listeners is looking at what is it that you really liked about this person? Maybe you were a little bit infatuated. Like, oh my gosh, I miss them so much and I can't get over this grieving. It's like, okay, what is it about them that you really loved and honored and really admired? And in the absence of their physical form, where are those characteristics now showing up in your life? Mm -hmm. So I think about the guy that you would always see at your like pseudo dad, right? Yeah. 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 It's like, where is his energy now? And it could be in a new form of a person. It could be in the form of an animal. It could be in the form of yourself. Like you may have taken on some of those characteristics because again, nothing is missing. It simply changes form either in you or in the people or animals or things around you. And I don't, I was working on this with a client, um, specifically like her pets. And I was like, look, I don't, share this exercise with you to bypass the grieving process because I think experiencing the emotion and mourning is really important but it can also be very stagnant and heavy if you hold that grieving for 20 years 100% because you haven't seen where that form of that person place or thing has shown up energetically in your life and having gratitude for it for the new form Mm -hmm. versus being so infatuated with like, and I know people where their parents have died like 30 years ago and they still struggle so much with like addiction or like, why did you have to go? You know, just Mm -hmm. lingering in the past versus like having gratitude for what they've taught you and how their energy still permeates through space time and really being grateful for that new form and what it's teaching you. That doesn't mean you don't have moments where you, cry or don't cry but I just wonder how this exercise would maybe invite you to have like transform the grief into gratitude Mm -hmm. and like it you're absolutely right that that energy still exists somewhere within whether it's you or your life it's just having the awareness to see it yep and I think it can invite you to also be really present with the relationships and the Mm -hmm. chapter of life you're in now Mm -hmm knowing that everything in the universe has an impermanence. Like eventually our relationship is going to end because one of us is going to peace out. Sad. (laughs) But it, I, and this is, again, this is where Mel's brain has been. Don't make me grieve. Like I'm already, I meet new people or I come into contact with people who join our team or whatever. And I'm like, this someday will end. Yeah. But I feel like the knowing of that actually allows me to sink into like the presence Mm -hmm. with people more because I know there's an impermanence and this is maybe more like Zen Buddhism philosophy because I've been training with like Zen wellness masters but like when you can really sense into the impermanence of everything I feel like it allows you to sink into the gratitude for the relationship or whatever it is in that moment of time because we don't know how long it's going to last it could be a fleeting moment of someone at the grocery store And then it changes, Yeah, you know? Well, and I think that's one thing that we aren't good at doing. I mean, talking about death is hard for us or accepting death. And that comes in the form of not just, you know, 
physical body has left, you know, mm-hmm. but when is it time to have a death of a relationship yeah. or a death of something? I mean, we all have probably been in a relationship for too long, yes. right? Because we were avoiding the death of it. Yep. We didn't want to recognize that this has ran its course and let's lean into the possibility of the unknown. Yeah. It's scary. It is scary. It's really scary. It's like a butterfly going into the cocoon. Like the caterpillar Mm -hmm. goes into the cocoon and it emerges differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's so many gifts if you allow the recognition of that for any relationship that you've had. Um, If this applies to you in this moment, like lean into those gifts and what else could come maybe in a different relationship. Yeah. If you need that encouragement. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The turning on your curiosity brain can um, Mm -hmm. take time to get better at that and have it be more of a normal inner dialogue, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I'll offer some ways that have worked for me when it comes to the rebirth process. I'll also be speaking a lot on this at Rachel Schroman, who appeared in our episode, <laughs> of course, <laughs> in a form of a flyer, um, which, again, that's just the way the universe works. But I'll be speaking on ways to embody the death process with more curiosity on August 3rd. So I'll drop the link. But I'll be speaking on that from a physical perspective as well as a mental, emotional perspective. Um, but something that I have asked myself is, one, how would leaning into this contraction serve me? Mm-hmm. and staying curious of like what's on the other side of this because the law of rhythm and the law of polarity tells us that for every high tide there's a low tide for every expansion there's a contraction mm-hmm. you know and not being addicted to the highs and expansion but also leaning into the contraction where there can be so many golden nuggets inside the cave mm-hmm. and the more you actually lean into this you can I don't want to say speed up but the contraction feels actually less of a contraction and it's just like an experience. Mm-hmm. It's just a sensation. And it doesn't like, I'm still mastering this, but it's just less of like, you know, the fear and there's less resistance and getting mm-hmm. curious about like, all right, what would happen if I just leaned into this sensation or crying or journaling or emotion? And more often than not, I come out with some insight or wisdom that was exactly what I needed at that time that instead of looking outward, I just went inward mm-hmm. and into it. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing I like to ask myself and give my clients is asking like, you know, how would the completion of this thing, business relationship, whether relationships intimate or social or, you know, entrepreneurial, how would the completion of this thing serve me? Mm -hmm. And how does that completion serve others involved? Mm -hmm. So rather than being attached to like, oh my gosh, if I end this, it's going to be the worst case scenario, which is more lower brain thinking, asking, how would this serve me? And how would it serve them? So I'm just not an asshole narcissist, but I look at the other person involved, right? And have understanding and connection with them. And then last for me is that Demartini process where Demartini is my coach and I'm trained in his methodology is looking at, okay, if I'm grieving something, where, in what form is it showing up in my life? And grief relief on the other side if I'm constantly seeking something to bring me relief like oh I'm so glad they're gone or oh, I'm so glad this person's here what's some of the drawback of that right mm-hmm. so it helps you stay in a more equilibrium state of mind versus being so infatuated with someone or so like resistant of someone but trying to stay in those balanced waves versus ups and downs 
Um, so that's what's supported me in like really ways that I've embraced death every day mm-hmm. as well as, you know, doing my laundry and like consciously doing the dishes and like the physical yeah. thing of like, this just needs to die and like move on so I can clear the stagnancy in my life. But anyway, actually though, like I, <laughs> it's a really important thing for me to do dishes like every yeah. night because that's one less thing actually lingering in my, in my space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When, so my day one to my day two for my menstrual cycle is miserable. I took a bath and I leaned into, I like to verbalize things out loud to process, Mm -hmm. but also like journaling and like writing like a poem. And I haven't done that in a long time, Mm. but leaning into like, I love that for you. Thank you. It's my little artistry coming out. Yeah. (laughs) But like connecting into like the deeper sort of emotion of it and allowing that like thought feeling to pass and die to give space for something else. I think of, because I'm a water sign, I think of waves. <laughs> it's true. Honestly, like the grief and like the feeling of it can feel like crashing waves until you learn how to go with the rhythm yeah. and the tempo of like the changing waves. Because it's never going to be the same or consistent either, just like the ocean and the tides and everything. Um, but you learn how to surf it and you learn how to master the waves. Yep. And that's all that it's about. It's dancing with these emotions and with the grief and with the death and giving space for maybe the creativity on the other end for a rebirth. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me of um, just, you know, the universe speaks in waves Mm -hmm. and energy. And I think what people fear is not necessarily the thing itself, like the conversation or whatever, but actually like the sensation and the emotion that they'll experience in the thing. Mm -hmm. So what you're speaking to that I think is really valuable is like, how can you learn to be with the waves as the sensations and the waves of the emotions and not resist it, but yeah, become the surfer of your life, Mm -hmm. you know? And at first it can be really, really scary. If you don't know how to like surf. feel like a tsunami, man. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know how to surf and you get out there for the first time, you're not going to be a master of those waves. The water's going to crush yep. on top of you the so hard. The ocean will hard. spit you out. Oh my gosh, it's going to be miserable. But you keep on getting up and you keep trying and you persevere through it. And then next thing you know, you're like on TV and you're just surfing all these like surfing big tubes. The yeah. 100 foot wave. <laughs> Have you seen that show? No. Oh, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> People surf 100 foot waves. But truly, I mean, someone gave me that analogy once and it related mm-hmm. like to my life pretty well. I'm like, yeah, it sucks at first, no matter what it is. And it does get better. It does get better. There might be another really big wave that you're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> and then the more you do it, you almost kind of, I was telling Aaron this the other day, it was like, welcome the objections like go into the objections yes. like bring on the objections and you almost kind of get this like little kink with the yeah. like contraction yeah and you're kind of like addicted not addicted but like you're kind of into your dark sides mm-hmm. and your contractions because then you know because you work with the laws of the universe like there's going to be wisdom on the other side of this so why not just fully fucking embrace it and scream and cry and and honor those waves as the surfer of consciousness that you are. Because you learn that it's not a life or death sort of situation. Nope. You'll always come out on the other end. It's a rebirth. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like the Phoenix. Oh yeah, you said that in your <laughs> other episode. I like that. Yeah, the Phoenix was a was our mascot for um, my nerdy science sorority I was in. Oh yeah, in undergrad. So it has a lot of like meaning to me. I so, like that. Yeah, Aaron's next tattoo is going to be a Phoenix. It is actually. Oh, for real? I, big I, ass w- leg tattoo. When I have more money, I'll do a big Phoenix piece on my thigh. Yeah, know, but <laughs> damn, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up this episode, we will invite you to one of the biggest things I think that you can really honor the death and the rebirth process is space. Mm -hmm. Because if you're stuck in your mind about it and like, oh, this isn't working, you're most likely not giving yourself enough spaciousness to be with what is actually trying to die. Um, so I personally like to plan in certain days of spaciousness generally around my cycle if I can, Mm -hmm. or just weekends where I know that there's been a lot moving um, and just allow myself to go into it, you know, and not judging yourself for not doing all the tasks or checking off the to-do list like this. Giving yourself space should be on your like to-do and to-be list. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are high achievers and go-getters, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel so uncomfortable to give yourself space. But even if you do it for 10 minutes, 10 minutes turns into 30 30 minutes turns into a day, you know, mm-hmm. I promise you it will make such a huge difference in this learning curve for you. Mm-hmm. So anything else you want to add, Dr. Aaron? Nope, that's it. Dr. That's Phoenix. Dr. Phoenix. You should change your name on Instagram. <laughs> um, all right, y'all. We hope that these episodes served you when it comes to birth and death and rebirth. And if anything really landed for you, please share this podcast, give us a review. We are very open to your feedback and we want to know what is supporting you in this chapter of your life so we can speak breath and air and life into it. (sighs) So with that, this is Dr. Mel, Dr. Aaron, and we are always honored to guide you back towards the reclamation of your power and really inspired to allow you to pursue your purpose and ultimately invite you to play all out in life This is Project Linus, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for joining the Project Linus podcast. Did you find value in today's episode? Help us impact the lives of others by sharing this podcast with someone you know who would resonate and benefit from the Project Linus message. Excited to hear more? We invite you to subscribe on whatever platform you're tuning in on. And we'd be so grateful for you to leave us a review about what you enjoy most, as well as what you'd like to hear more of. Thank you so much for all of your support. Sincerely yours in power, purpose, and play. Dr. Mel with the Project Lioness podcast. Keep rising, keep roaring, and keep inspiring.